You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, your home for news, views, security stories, technology, and all sorts of other related chit-chat that catches our attention. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, This week, there was a virtual CES, which was somewhat diminished in size and a bit surreal for most people, Uh, but it still had its array of prototypes, products, and uh, oddities. Uh, Apple announced what it's actually doing with its uh, racial equity and justice initiative um, and apparently is likely to extend the free Apple TV Plus again, which would be nice for me. Uh, Also, we are joined today by Jasper Hauser of Darkroom, uh, which is an iOS and Mac video and photo editor and the winner of an Apple Design Award for 2020. So, uh, Congratulations on that, Jasper. That must have been nice. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was great. That was uh, lovely to win one of those. Wasn't my first time, mind you. Uh, last time I'd won two was about a decade ago for for other Mac apps I had developed. But uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure when Apple uh, acknowledges your app's existence and its quality like that. Yeah, because um, they don't they, they don't exactly hand them out like Smarties, do they? Design awards from uh, Apple. Small small. Small handful a year. Yeah, and there were a couple of years where they didn't even hand out any for Macs. So that, that was kind of weird. But yeah. Well, there we go. That, that's good. So as I say, you are, um, you know, uh, what are you, a developer or? Uh... <laughs> well, you I'm, know, I'm, it, I'm... <laughs> we have a lot of people come uh... on and they're CEOs or, you know, technical sure, officers or sure. whatever and not actual coders themselves or whatever. Um, I'm, my background is in uh, design, product design, um, and so that's where my roots lie. So uh, if you use Darkroom, all of the design of that app and all, everything around it, the websites, the, the icons, it's that's all me. Um, but I'm obviously also very much involved with sort of the product strategy and the company as a whole. Um, so yeah, product design is technically my, my title. Okay, well, there we go. Um, so... Um, obviously, for the listeners who might not be aware of your product, would you, uh, you know, like to tell us a bit about uh, Darkroom and, you know, where you feel it sits in the market and, um, you know, what it offers users over and above what they can get with, say, uh, Apple's Photos or something similar? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. Um so as you've already said, Darkroom is a, a photo editor for iOS, uh, so iPhone and iPad, and uh, as of uh, late last year, also Mac. Um, and um, the way we look at it is that um, you know Darkroom is is a relatively young product, especially when you compare it to products like Lightroom or uh, Apple Photos, uh, or even uh, apps like Visco or Instagram which are all very popular uh, and have a big following. Um, Darkroom is really like a, a mobile first approach to a photo editing. Um, so, you know, a big difference there is that um, on, on specifically on iPhone, Darkroom is really designed to be operated with, a, with one finger, your thumb. You should be able to do anything with, your, with one thumb on the device 
and edit your photos and export it and, and make, make it beautiful and share it to, to other third-party apps or, or services or social networks. Um, and we've taken a lot of that and brought it to iPad and brought it to Mac. Now, obviously, they're slightly different, different domains. But for us, the key differentiator is like extremely, extremely easy to use tools um, and not per se slightly different tools. Right? So not per se different tools than other apps, but really reimagined from a usability perspective and, and ideally, you know, like making them a lot more uh, easy and 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 reimagine them such that you can you can use them much more easily. So I think like a, a good example, and and some will disagree, <laughs> uh, is curves and darkroom. Curves and darkroom are really sort of like simplified, uh, and ideally the, the way we look at it is made easier to use. Um, whereas if you use curves in another app, say Lightroom or Photoshop, they're like a black box. A lot of people will have a lot of difficulty in understanding how these operate. And even when you operate them, you can make your like photo look pretty funky very easily. Um, and that's not what we want, right? It's like right. we want to put the guardrails on and help you and put some guidance there so that you, you know, you, you, you can more easily achieve what you're looking for, which is like you want to create a beautiful photo. You don't necessarily want the most powerful tools because powerful tools come with a manual um, and so, you know, there's the, the analogy of like, you know, we're trying to not be the, 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 the airplane cockpit. We're, right. we're, we're trying to be a much easier to use variant of that. All right. Yeah, that's fine. That's, that's, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, because as a, you know, professional Photoshop user for many, many years. Um, Same here. <laughs> it's, you know, it is. Well, like with great power comes great responsibility, you know, with great power also comes the ability for the, uh, you know, un, <laughs> the untutored to do themselves no, totally. a, lot of, a lot of damage. Yeah, totally. And you're right, cool, yeah. uh, you know, uh, curves and levels are tools which can do very, very powerful things, but many people don't really understand how they work. And, no. you know, if no, you don't know what you're doing, because... you can mess everything up totally. Yeah, you? yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, we have to remember because, like, those tools have been uh, been around for decades now, right? Their their, their origin lies in the eighties, uh, and um, that's great. They're very powerful tools. But I've I remember the first time I had to deal with the curves tool. It just it broke my head. Like it didn't make <laughs> sense to me in any way, shape, or form. And it's over time that you got you get to use to how, how to operate them. And in darkroom, we're really trying to just like you know take the appreciation for the tool which is very powerful and try and melio it in such a way that like other more people can use it i mean if you want like that that's an analogy for how we look generally at like everything we do in darkroom is like you know the entire existence of computers is like you know a bicycle for the mind well i mean if it weren't a bicycle uh, bicycle is pretty easy to use. If it wasn't easy to use, it wouldn't be a bicycle for the mind. And so for us, it's like when when we deal with anything that's on a computer, it's like you take what's there and you try and make it easier. The whole point of computers' existence is to make things easier for humans. Yes. And so we're trying to like do that in every single corner that we can find, right? So you know, darkroom is is part of an ecosystem. It's like editing tools is one aspect of it. Um, but, you know, there's also importing and there's exporting and there's reviewing. Um, and so there are many aspects to this entire workflow that are really trying to 
look at from a different light. So not so much say like, well, Lightroom clearly figured it out, so let's copy Lightroom. But it's actually say, it's like, well, there's like a bunch of good stuff there, but there's also like a bunch of stuff that can be done a lot better. And we're trying to challenge ourselves and really like try and do it better or different. Yeah, fine. That's, that, that's um, yeah, definitely. In fact, I've just popped open um, Darkroom here and I'm just having a quick look at a couple of photographs and we've got, um, you know, straight out, um, straight, you know, you've got a nice little export button up there on the share sheet, which says, you know, um, what do you want to do? It's all, and I can see here what you're saying about, you know, working with one thumb because I'm, I'm assuming that this um, Mac layout is taken pretty much from iOS. So you've got, you've got your tools on the right hand side. And then when you select the tool, you know, you get the, um, you get the control. The iPhone just, ever, just, so the know. Mac layout is very similar to the iPad layout. Yeah. On the right. iPhone, it is, on iPhone, it's slightly different in that um, uh, when you open a photo, the tool the toolbar is at the bottom. And when you tap the tools, the bar slides up and the tools are right below that. Yeah. Uh, again, right. Really very much like trying to operate it from the from from the thumb. But on Mac, you know, like we're dealing with a, a mouse and a keyboard. So mm. on Mac, you know, we, we have the keyboard operation. We have the keyboard shortcuts. The layout is slightly different uh, and scaled down a little bit. Uh, because you're operating it with a mouse, so you know we're we're trying to really make like when when we take our app, which or its origins is very much on iPhone. Yeah, uh, we're like an iPhone first company, not a Mac first company. Although our history is in in making Mac apps, um, you know we reconsider the platform uh, and and really make it for that platform. So where on iPhone it's for your thumb, on iPad it's for two hands on the edges of your display. Right. Yep. So on, on the iPad, um, you'll have the toolbars on the left side and on the right side. And on Mac, you know, on Mac, it's made for keyboard and mouse. And so like having the toolbars on the left side would have been weird. So the, that toolbars move to the top because hmm. all Mac apps have top toolbars. So, you know, we 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 don't we don't try to take the shortcut and make the app work on other platforms quickly. We do the, we do the work of making it really fit in, like feel like an actual proper app that was made for that platform uh, yeah. first. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this and it, it seems, you know, yes, my first thought when I opened it was, okay, I can see that this is probably heavily influenced by that iPad because that would make sense. Yep. Of course, it would make yep. sense because, you know, if you're going to use a, an app like this on the iPad, you're going to turn your iPad in probably um, yep. landscape and, as you say, have one hand on each side. So that makes perfect sense. And that also works, you know, um, pretty well on the Mac. And as I say, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't feel like an iPad app put onto the Mac at all. I mean, it feels like a proper yep. Mac app, which is, you know, what you'd, what you'd hope for. Um, exactly. So, you know, yep. definitely, definitely. Um, so Mac Jim, who's not feeling very well today, which is why he's not joined us, uh, people, is has sent me some questions to ask Jasper. Um, because he 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 is a a dark room user, as he you'll find in his questions mm -hmm. here. But um, yeah, okay. Uh, it, so Mac Jim's first question is: I understand that there is no clarity adjuster. Is there? Uh, you know, is that likely to be added in the future? It is actually. Yeah, uh, I have it on my computer here, so <laughs> I can confirm that it's that is coming. I can't confirm the actual date, 
Well, that's uh, fine. I don't, we, I don't think we, he's. <laughs> you know, I don't think he's looking for you to spill any trade yeah, yeah. secrets. No, just you know, is, is clarity coming? It's, and that would be. I guess that's cl- something cl- that you would like. Yes. Yeah. Cl- clarity is absolutely coming. We know it's one of the features uh, many uh, many people really enjoy. Uh, there are lots of tools out there that have it. Um, it so happens to be, even though it's a simple slider, it happens to be one of those more complicated ones to develop yeah. and build. Um, it's a very, very computationally heavy tool. Uh, interestingly, yes. we didn't know either until we built it. Um, <laughs> and say, um, it looks it, it like you know, like some tools. <laughs> often the ones that look complicated are sometimes easy underneath, and sometimes the ones that look this simple one, are yeah, yeah. I mean, even totally, it's like it, it's funny because like there are many ways to call it. There's clarity, there's structure, uh, there's texture sliders. Like lots of different tools have different namings on it. Uh, there's one that's a, a bit more specific, which is um, mid-tone contrast. The funny thing is they all sound super simple until uh, you look at the math behind it and you yeah. read the, like, the papers, the math papers behind it, and it just blows your mind. Um, to give context, um, I have it running on my Intel Mac. It's not super fast. Uh, but if you run this on the most recent iPhones or iPads or the M1 Mac, it's mm-hmm. pretty screaming fast. Um, just goes to show that it's like it's one of those features that's like it's it's magical when you use it because it really mm. makes your photos pop. Um, uh, but there's a reason why not many tools have it because it's because it's, it's, it's computationally kind of, kind of very heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, so right. that's coming. Yeah, that's good. Good, good. Um, okay. Uh, what kind of cataloging does Darkroom have? Um, and is there a digital asset management facility? And if not, will one be coming? <laughs> yeah, so, that's quite a lot of a question there, isn't it? The, it's a, there's a lot going on in there. So um, Darkroom is built on top of iCloud Photos or right. the Photos library that that um, that everybody has on their devices. And this is, again, like very much the root of where Darkroom started. Like Darkroom did not start as a Mac app where, you know, you have to manage hard drives and folders and like different places it comes from and external drives. That's not where Darkrooms come from. Um, we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a bit. Um, but Darkroom started on the iPhone. And in the iPhone, there was one place photos lived, and yeah. that was your camera roll. Um, and then iCloud Photos came about, and camera roll and iCloud Photos are, are married. Uh, they're, they're attached to each other. Yep, and much. so that, that's the core. And so that also enables Darkroom to do pretty cool stuff. Like, you know, you give access to it, and all your photos are there. You don't need to import into Darkroom. Um, you can if you want to, but, like, that's it. And so that's where your photos live. Your photos live in the same place that the Photos app puts the photos. That's where they are. Um, and so it does have catalogs. Uh, but not, you know, device specific or external hard drive catalogs um, yet. Uh, that is something we're looking at, but we all have to realize that that's a very Mac specific thing. Yes. The equivalents of that do not exist on iPhone. They also do not exist on iPad uh, because it's just not that easy to do. Um, and, and, and if we're talking about that, that context, um, extending that, uh, would be Mac, very Mac specific. And it, it is something that we're considering, uh, but not very, uh, very seriously at the moment, but, you know, we have the features you can create albums, you can put photos in albums. Um, your, your, your albums are synced across your devices because we're using iCloud photos. So yeah. you don't need an, an additional, uh, subscription for photo syncing to happen. Uh, that just happens through the subscription you have with Apple to, to back up your photos. So, 
So, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, right. I've moved this question from further down in his list then because it kind of spins sure. off on that. And that is, can you use an external hard drive as a place to save and store images or files from Darkroom? Which at the so, minute, the uh, short answer to that is probably right. not right at this minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... Technically, if I understand it correctly, uh, you can. It just requires that you move the, 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 the Apple Photos library to the external hard drive and that you tell your system that it lives there. Right, yeah. Um, then Darkroom will understand that. There are still some issues around it, um, but that's the, the core, right? It's like, we haven't built the asset management system. No. It's not ours. It's no. Apple's. You're, you're, you're building on top of Apple's, yeah. That's fine. We've just built on top of Apple's. Um, and so as long as it works for Apple, it should, generally speaking, work for us. And yeah. so um, that, that, that's how that works. But again, right, it's like that's a relevant question for Mac, not much for iPad Not, not so much. For, I mean, yeah, no. you do now have, you know, access to, to files on iOS, which why, why I don't know about you, Jasper, but this absolutely <laughs> baffles me, right? Why is iCloud on the Mac called iCloud Drive, which makes perfect sense? And then you go onto iOS and it's called Files. And in our Mac user group, when they, we had, because a lot, of our, <laughs> a lot of the members are, you know, older people and they're baffled and they go, I put stuff in iCloud Drive and yeah. it's supposed to turn up on my, on my iOS device, but I can't find it. And you go, well, it's in the folder called Files. Well, why is it not called iCloud Drive? It's like, don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to speak to Tim Cook about that one. But why the hell was it yeah. not called iCloud Drive? And then everybody you know, know where I they were. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's confusing. I agree with that. I mean, like, I have to give it to Apple. It's like, you know, that they, they've built this, like, giant empire on, on oh, yeah. iPhone and iPad. Um, and they've had this older empire on the Mac. Um, and throughout the years, they've sort of been dragging Mac along slowly. Um, and it, it's very clear that, like, the, the collaboration within the two uh, empires is not entirely where we'd like it to be because, like, things are just named awkwardly and not integrated yeah. as much as we'd like <laughs> Yeah, to. that is the for, – for a couple um, that tend to sweat the details, sometimes you think, what uh, on earth were you thinking? <laughs> uh, I think they weren't, probably. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, but it's getting there. I mean, they're slowly integrating all of this stuff together. Uh, but it's like it, it's kind of crazy, also probably technically of like, you know, stringing all this stuff together. I like that must be a kind of a bananas job to to even try yeah. and undertake. Um, I don't. Yeah, they are. I mean, yeah, just thing. I mean, I've had some issues this week with my iCloud where for reasons I don't understand. Like, like I said to you, I I sent you an email, didn't I, about appearing on the podcast, and I did it from my phone. Now, in theory, that should be in my mail. But when I w went on my Mac like later, I could not find it. So I sent you another one saying, I can't, I'm sure I replied to this message, yep. but I can't yep. find it. So for some reason, certain messages from my phone are not syncing with my mail on my Mac. And when that happens, you, there is nothing you can do other than, no, you know, no. uh, or you no, have to start signing out everywhere. And it's like, so, you know, that I, some people get really, really narked about it. And, and when it doesn't work, it's annoying. But 
I also tend to go, well, look, there's an awful lot of magic going on here in the background. <laughs> and, and only one thing has to not work properly for you to get weirdness. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, all of these systems that we use are so complex in nature. Uh, I think we all tend to forget because so much of it is, or so much, it's like 99% of it is masked these days. Yeah. You just don't uh, under, and, No, exactly. Tagged as, uh, yeah, it's very usable and it's very friendly, um, which also is like a, bit, a way to say it's like an extraordinarily amount, uh, amount of complexity is hidden from you you don't need to worry about it yeah uh, but that also means like shit will go wrong most definitely yeah. <laughs> and the only you know and the trouble with making it you know masking it all is when it does go wrong you have no oh, idea it'll... what's gone wrong nope. <laughs> no nope. idea there's no wrong. no there's no more i mean it's it's uh you know like I, i'm old school um I, i've been making apps for 20 years now like and i started making apps on the mac and then went to iphone and it came now full circle back and you know, it's like I love the terminal, I love the console, like th like those are the things that I grew up on. And it's really sh strange in ways to you know like build and develop on platforms where like there is no such thing. You no. can't take a peek behind the curtain and sort of like what's going on in there? Like who's doing what? It's like nothing, just nothing. No blind, blind. No. You're working brick blind. wall. That's brick it. Wall, yep. Yeah. Try this. Does it work? Yes or no? <laughs> if not, try it, something. That's else. it. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, there we go. Uh, okay, so another um, uh, question from Jim is, can images be exported to Flickr directly from Darkroom? Now, I, as I said, I saw you got an export button at the top there. Um, yeah, it's a great question. I don't actually know because um, um, I uh, haven't used Flickr in a while. Um, but so Darkroom uses the general... Um, export functionality through iOS. And so if Flickr allows third-party apps to send files or photos to them, and they have an app on iPhone or iPad, that should be possible. On Mac, uh, we don't have a specific Flickr integration. Um, and so uh, there you'd probably have to save out some files to a folder and then upload it to, and to Flickr. Yeah. And then, and then upload it. I mean, this is part, you know, like we've been on the Mac for four months now. So we just arrived. <laughs> yeah. We will obviously like build out uh, functionality and, um, you know, we're going to go uh, every sort of like platform that, that major platform that people share to will we'll integrate um, as we've done on iPhone and Mac or sorry, I, uh, on the iPhone and the iPad. Ooh. Mac is a, Mac is a different, different animal in yes. that sense, because the way people use uh, and, 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 and use their Macs and the way people use photo editors on Mac is, is different. And so that's also like a lot of what we're currently learning. And so many of these questions echo a lot of the feedback we've gotten of certain yeah, areas where people would like us to, to extend. Um, but as you earlier indicated, um, you know, the, the dark room for Mac app is, is like made possible through Apple Catalyst. And so it is predominantly actually our iOS app uh, that we rebuilt in, in some major ways to run on, on the Mac. Um, and so, you know, like we did a lot of custom Mac work, but we have a lot more custom Mac work to, to come in the future. Yeah, excellent. Well, that's good. Because I've, I've noticed it myself, which is um, the share sheet. Like we were talking about how things, you know, don't always mesh between iOS and Mac. Yep. And if you, you know, you use the share sheet in Mac and there are certain things which just do not show up in the share sheet, nope. which in iOS, nope. you know, I use all the time. I mean, I share things 
with our Slack group, we we share things, you know, from Twitter or, or news or yep. or things, and we share them, and you can post them straight into Slack. On the Mac, you cannot do that. You have to copy them. No, it doesn't things. exist. It's incredible, no. right? And so it goes to show that, like, you know, like, Mac is rich in certain ways, but, like, over the years now, you know, iPad and iPhone have become rich in their own ways. Like, you yeah, know, mate. iPad and iPhone can, can do things that, like, a Mac can't, and sharing or to share sheet experience that iOS has is, like, so much better than anything yeah. Mac currently has I to mean, date. The Mac, the Mac share sheet <laughs> is, like, it feeble. You it's, know, it's really it's, feeble. Yeah. It's you know, a bit silly. You're like, this is it. This is all you have. Okay, it's almost, great. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's almost a case of, well, there's no point using the share sheet. I'll just copy the link and paste it wherever I want to go. You know, it's just the way yeah, it is. Yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah. And I, I hope, you know, I do hope that Apple, you know, bring more of the iOS share sheet to the Mac because at the moment it's kind of, well, we've brought you the share sheet because, you know, we want it to be more like iOS, but actually it doesn't really do very much. So, I mean, yeah. I can't, um, I mean, we obviously don't know, but like given the history of what we've seen Apple do over the past couple of years of bringing all kinds of functionality from iOS to, yeah. to Mac, uh, this is like one of the biggest glaring holes in, in the Mac experience. So I don't know. I don't know. And June, we'll know, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We will see when we, uh, you know, when WWDC rolls around. Um, okay. Yep. And then we have um, a last uh, question from Mac Jim. Um, I have Darkroom on the iPad Pro and I'm a previous user, so I do not need to go down the subscription route. But for those who are new, what do you get in the free version? And what extra does the subscription or purchase add in features? Um, well, right. I know a, I know a couple because they're actually clearly <laughs> marked on my on my current, you know, which I downloaded the other day. Um, I can see that, for example, curves and um, color, color, yes, uh, the color. Yeah, try dark curves green. and color. Yeah, curves and color are the so. There's a couple of things there. Um, you know, uh, we we have a couple of paid features we mark them very clearly as you uh, said uh, so thanks for 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 uh, reflecting that um i mean i think the first thing to say is like darkroom is a free app to download and a free app to use and there are some features that you can choose to pay for um those are few so it's a small handful it's not the majority of the app at all um but um we have indeed the curves tool the color tool and we have a set of premium filters. There are also a set of free filters. Um, and again, you can just use Darkroom for free. Play with these features because they are open. So you can actually see what the features do. The only thing we do is then we prohibit you from export. But you can actually fully experience the features. So it's the same with, for instance, um, you can, just as you can edit your photos, you can also edit your videos. In full 4K, 60 frames per second, you can drag that contrast slider and see what the video will look like by doing that or crop it or do all of this fancy stuff. The only thing we'll do is you won't be able to export your edited photo, a video if you don't have a Darkroom Plus. Um, and then we have some other things, um, you know, um, like a watermark feature, uh, which is nice for the more pro people uh, in our in our community to add a, a watermark. And then we have some some silly fun stuff like, you know, being able to pick a custom icon and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, Darkroom Plus is is mostly a sort of more pro oriented set of our features um, that you can choose to to opt into. Um, okay. And then last thing I'll notice on note on that is um, 
it's one subscription for all devices. So you just need to get one subscription. Okay. And then Darkroom Plus will work on your Mac and your iPad and your iPhone. So it's not three subscriptions, it's just one. It'll work okay. across all devices. And um yeah, interestingly, I also I also noticed that you can you can subscribe or you can, if you wish, pay um at least on the Mac app. There's a one there's a one pay option. So yep. you know if Indeed. people don't if people don't wish to subscribe, they you know, if if, yep. if you think you're gonna yep. use it all the time a lot, you know, then then be your guest. Absolutely. Pay your money and take yeah. your choice, yeah. And if you think you're only going to use it occasionally, you can, like, assume subscribe for a yeah. month or two and then, you know, not subscribe while you're not using it and so on. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, which and is as good. as um, as Jim said, um, you know, we introduced subscriptions last year. Before that, we were uh, a paid app. So you'd ha you you're not a paid app. We were, like, an app where you could pay for certain features. Um, and we grandfathered in our all our previous customers. So... Even if somebody bought like a 199 filter five years ago, um, they got darkroom subscriptions for free because, you know, uh, they, they helped us get us where we are today. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so even for, for this, like forever, you know, like the, 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 the promise is that, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you along for the future that that's coming. Um, and it's, it's, we know it's a, it's a pretty hefty price. Uh, but the point there is like, if you, like you said, like if you're going to use this app every single day, then like um, this could very well be worth it to you. And and that's the feedback we've gotten from specifically, think, you know, professional I, I, photographers. I, I just like to see that. Yes. It's, you know, it's not the cheapest. I mean, it, it comes out at about nope. 70 UK pounds, but then that's not a shocking amount of money. You know, it's, it's, it's not a shocking amount of money. Um, plenty of Mac no, apps especially... setting back that sort of amount. It might seem a little bit much for maybe for an for an iOS, but you know, if you're it's if a you, choice, if right? you like it, and you've yeah. got the option. You know, I like the fact that you've offered you an option. To. You've got a, you know, you've got effectively, yeah, so much a month or so much a year, or you know, lifetime subscription if you like. Pay, you know, here's your lifetime subscription. Pop up and and darkroom it's all and, yours. and darkroom slides the scale right. It's like you can use it for free. Yes. You can fully use it for free. You don't need to buy anything. Yes, you'll be slightly limited, but that's your choice. And then, you know, we have a trial, so you can actually, like, get a month subscription and then just, like, you play with all the premium features that you want. And so the whole point for us is, like, you know, we want our app, the product, to actually, like, convince you that you want and should pay the money. It's not yeah. like us telling you it's like pay the money. It's like no, it's like you, you, you should convince yourself. Convince yourself um, that you, know, you you want it, yeah. And then if you don't, then like as you've indicated, there are lots of options out there. And to be honest, like they're pretty pricey. I mean, obviously, barring uh, Apple Photos, but like people tend to forget that that in the premium for all your hardware, you're giving Apple lots of cash. They don't have to ask, right? Like Apple mm. doesn't make their hardware at cost. Or no. sell their hardware at cost. They make, they make a sixty percent margin on that. Yeah, but that yeah. margin they put in developing software. So like, even though you know products like Snapseed or Photos feel free and look free and are free in their app stores, you've paid for them. You've paid for them. You just don't know how much you've paid for them, but you've paid for them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then products like Adobe Lightroom, they end up being pretty expensive on a yearly basis. Like we're talking hundreds of bucks a year. If you want all the features, yeah, mm, I mean that, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. I think that I think the cheapest deal. I, I mean, Adobe do a photographer's subscription, which gets you Photoshop yep. and Lightroom, and I yeah. think that works out at about eleven pound a month here in the UK. So yeah, exactly, um, you know, that's not cheap. It's, 
<laughs> it's a great bundle. I mean, but yeah. I have both and because like they're fantastic um, and I have to have it for my work. Um, so, you know, that, that makes it easy, but it's, but it's, it's a lot like a year for most yeah, people. It is. So, there you go. Yeah. So, there. I mean, it's professional software. Come on. It's been, it's been around for decades. Oh, yes. It can do pretty much anything you'd ever anything, wish for. Anything so. you ever want to do. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, and actually I was looking in Darkroom at the back, you know, you, the, the couple of tools that are, you know, they're marked clearly with a plus. They're, they're, they're showing in red to show that they're not available to you. It reminded me very much of um, Serif Software, who, who now obviously make the Affinity Suite, but um, yep. they used to do the range of Plus products, but Serif Page Plus, Serif Draw Plus, and they used to have this thing where you could download a free version and use it completely free, but certain features were would you know in the tool set would be red and then if you clicked yeah. on it it would say you know this is not available in the free version if you want to make use of i don't know export to pdf or something it would be you know you need to pay and um that was a very good strategy for them because i would heartily recommend that product to a lot of uh, windows users back in the day and say what you yeah. want to do is get this because it will do everything you need and the very few things that it doesn't do you probably don't need and if you do need them yeah you can go and decide that I do want them and I'll pay for them. And, you know. Exactly. You yeah. A... No, Affinity, Affinity is a great company. They make beautiful, great software. Um, and it's really interesting because it feels like sort of a Adobe 2.0 where, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. <laughs> they're taking it, doing a retake on a lot of what they're doing. Um, yeah, we also really, I mean, again, to us, it's like, it feels like that's the sort of most honest approach to giving people the option to experience and try your product. Uh, but also make them aware that there are there is a set of functionality that's on top of that um, that they can choose to opt into if they needed it. And it's a balance, right? It's like, uh, you know, like the, the feature set we provide today is probably going to change in the future because like, you know, the, the features that we currently provide uh, might not be worthy of the, 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 the plus uh, badge in, in two, three years, uh, right? So it, it has to change. Uh, but it's really like, you know, we're trying to make sure that like our product is as rich in the free basic version as we can make it, right? So it's like, you know, raw editing, it's free in yeah. room. You don't need to buy it. Raw editing is there, portrait editing, right? So being able to adjust the the depth of field and, and like, you know, darken the background when you take a, an iPhone portrait photo, that's free. Um, mm. You know, hashtag manager, like being able to easily like uh, copy and paste hashtags when you're sharing to Instagram, free. Like that's a lot of free stuff. The frames tool, which is like unique, not a lot of apps have, which makes it very easy for you to share photos to stories, uh, like mm -hmm. Instagram stories or Snapchat, free. So there's there's a ton of stuff oh, in yeah. Darkroom that's free. I, I yeah. can see that, you know, um, there's plenty in there that's free. And as you say, you know, unless you want to get into curves and color adjustment, you know, the colors tool and a couple of others, then, and, you know, I'll be honest, as we were saying, even, you know, if your curves tool is simplified compared to something like Photoshop or Affinity Photo, it, curves is just something that a lot of people just can't get their head around anyway, you know? Nope. That's like, fine. That's fine, <laughs> isn't it? That's fine. So, you know, if they're like, they can look at it, as you say, you can play about with it. And if, you, if you're if you using it in Darkroom and go, I have no idea what this is supposed to be doing for me, you can go, well, then I don't need to pay for it, do I? <laughs> No oh, need exactly. to pay for something you don't want. So that's that's nope. excellent. Right. Well, uh that's that's excellent, Jasper. Fabulous. Um we've got a few stories. Do you want to just have a look at a few stories with me and then we'll uh, wrap the show up? Sure, sounds good. 
Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We'll uh, we'll move on. Okay. Um, lot of CES stuff. Um, some of these stories I'll just mention because they don't really require much comment. Um, M1 Mac Bluetooth problems are finally set to be resolved, says Apple. Um, I've not had any problems with mine, but I've got a laptop, so therefore it's um, you know, I, I've got a new M1 MacBook Air, but I, I don't use any um Bluetooth peripherals with that. I know pe- particularly people who've got the the Mini, the M1 Mini, have been complaining of problems with it, you know, not working correctly with the mouse or a Bluetooth keyboard or whatever. Um, and there were some concerns about was this a you know a hardware issue. Apple say there's some kind of software bug and uh, the next update should fix that. So I know a few people who will be very happy about that, including Guy Searle from the My Mac podcast, because he is wearing quite a lot about the fact that his, that his mouse doesn't work properly. Um, Apple has begun blocking M1 Mac users from sideloading iPhone and iPad applications. Uh, I don't think this is a big surprise, to be honest. <clears throat> um, obviously, if you've got an M1 Mac, you can run uh, iOS software on, on the M1 Mac. Um, how successful... As long as it's officially distributed is now the message. (laughs) Yeah, well, of course, initially, uh, because some, you know, uh, developers of iOS software could say to Apple, I don't I don't want this. You know, I don't think this will be a good experience on the Mac or it's not. You know, there's work I want to do on it before I let it on the Mac or whatever. So they could say, you know, don't offer it on the Macintosh. But uh, people soon found out that if you just got hold of the um, of the package, you could load it onto your Mac and then it would run, uh, effectively giving you access to things that the developer said, I don't want people running this on the Mac or yet or whatever. Um, unsurprisingly, Apple are now closing that loophole. Um, I don't think that's a surprise, really. I think it was just a um, an early loophole and now they've shut it down. So um, apparently, yeah. if you have sideloaded something already, it will continue to work. Um, but as of now, um, trying to open... Um, you know, one that's not been officially downloaded through the store with the uh, approval of the developer, it won't run. There uh, we are. Um, Apple this week, of course, um, launched their nationwide racial equity and justice initiative. Um, and Uncle Tim went on a, you know, on American TV to talk all about it and what, what they're doing with their 100 million. Um, all very good stuff. All, all good. All good. Um, they're opening uh, colleges, uh, supporting, you know, uh, historically black colleges. They're, um, I believe, are opening an Apple developer program for minorities um, and various other, um, well, social social equity uh, projects. Um, and they're very proud of it and uh, quite right, too. Um, Apple suspended Parler from the App Store after the American debacle. Um, lots of people have been shouting that that's, you know, Apple have too much power and they shouldn't be able to do that. Well, Apple, uh, Tim Cook has said Parler can return to the App Store if it uh, steps up its moderation. In other words, if it uh, complies with Apple's rules. So I think that's fair enough. It's basically behave yourself and you can come back. But I think the whole point of Parler is they've got no intention of behaving themselves. So actually, Tim is quite... <laughs> You know, quite clearly saying, fine, if, if you, you know, you want to be on our store, play by the rules. Don't want to play by the rules, you'll never get back in. Here we are. Um, it, it was pretty It was pretty also incredible to see not just Apple and then Google doing the same, but then also Amazon doing the same. Well, Amazon, pulled so... their, Amazon basically pulled <laughs> their, uh, said, no, you will not host yourselves on, uh, you know, Amazon Web Services. So that's to... Uh, 
that's probably far more damning, to be honest, than anything Apple or Google could do. You know, we'll pull you from the App Store, fine, but all the people who've already got it have got it. But um, when Amazon yeah. said, yeah, well, we're pulling the servers out from under you, then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was, a, it, was a, it was an incredible um, uh, domino because it, it was Apple and Google who said no to the app, but they gave them sort of 24 hours to, you know, try and do something. And then Amazon said, we'll take you offline too. But what a lot of people didn't report and didn't notice was that a lot of other smaller services did the same. So, for instance, Twilio, which is like a service that provides SMS authentication, also pulled it. But they pulled it immediately. Yeah. And so what happened is that the two-factor two authentication of Parler failed. And the hacker completely downloaded all of the data from yeah. Parler. That was a big story. And it was like such a crazy thing. <laughs> and, um, yeah. yeah, and... Um... Various, as you say, various other services, I think, uh, you know, basically stopped supporting them. So they, you know, crashed and burned very quickly. But Tim Cook has said they can return if they follow the Apple rule, which is fair enough. Just so I guess he's partly saying that to cover, you know, well, oh, you're abusing your monopolistic power to, you know, silence parlor. No, we're not. No, we're not. Okay. Nope. Um, Apple is extending Apple TV Plus trials again, according to TechCrunch. Um, and apparently, if you're currently on a uh, have Apple TV Plus for free and your uh, free session is ex due to expire sometime between now and June, you will probably get some more free bonus time, which is good for me. But um, there we go. That's nice. Not sure when and not sure how much, but free stuff is good. I, as we uh, we've said on this show before, we're pretty sure they extended it to March because um, some of their you know premium content was held up due to the you know pandemic, and I suspect uh, this is probably more of the same. They, I think, they're hoping to get some of their you know big new premium uh, series and things onto the service before they start saying you know before people actually have to start paying for it um so i suspect that means that some of the things they're um, planning for the next year might be slightly later than march so they're trying to um give you a chance so there we go uh what else have we got that was most of the apple news um technology and uh, mostly ces stuff here um there was a i don't know if you saw this jasper there was an lg rollable phone with an expandable display did you see the video of that it was <laughs> yeah. like bizarre. It was like this phone which just kind of magically grew <laughs> and then shrunk. And um, at first, I mean, people thought it was a proof of concept. But um, apparently, well, you no. Know, later in the week, LG said, no, this is real and it will be coming later in the year. Um, it's hard to describe. I've put a link in the show notes. But in the video, you've got a phone and it, it kind of it's got rollers in it. The screen obviously wraps around because LG are big on these rollable screens and it just expands from the size of a phone to the size of a small tablet and then goes back again and seems much yeah. smarter than folding something I have to admit um I agree I agree with the the why well, the folding was just like a crease a hard crease is hard and it's it's interesting because this LG device is actually rather thick which to me seems a constraint of the same problem which is like you know a fold is going to be hard so you have to roll it it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I dig it. I just hope it's durable. I yeah. I just I hope it lasts. Because like with the other phones, the fold phones, they weren't like yeah, you no, folded it a hundred times and it cracked. So it's yeah. not good. 
I think we on this show, although the, the rollable phones, we've seen kind of um, pull out rollable screens for a few years now, but they're yeah. saying they're going to go with this as a, and it makes a lot of sense to me. I've said before that you would be better off rolling, like, I mean, LG were the people who introduced, you know, a couple of years ago, introduced the big, the kind of projector screen type TV that like, you know, scrolls up out of a box. Um, and when yeah. you're not using it, it goes back down into the soundbar kind of uh, thing, which is, you know. Yep, yep. And I think LG are really hit, hitting on that. That's their big, you know, that's their big differentiator at the moment. So we have the rollable phone, which apparently is a real thing and will be coming later this year and you'll be able to buy one. Uh, no idea how much, probably a shocking amount of money. Um, probably, yeah. Probably, yes. Uh, playing on the on the same idea, um, LG uh, demoed a transparent TV which rolls up from the foot of the bed. So uh, playing on their um, scrollable screens again. Um, but this one is transparent, like the ones you see in sci-fi films, which is all very cool and lovely. But as far as I'm concerned is, yeah, they look great on, on TV shows because it allows you as the viewer to see what's on the screen while the camera is not actually looking at the screen. But um, in real life, my, <laughs> I think my answer is why and what possible use is a half see-through screen? I have no idea. Very messy. Very messy. Yeah. yeah. For actually watching TV, I'm sure there are uses you could put transparent, um, you know, OLED screens to for whatever displays, window displays or, um, you know, putting um, info on I don't know, heads up displays and things, but as an actual TV, no, I don't get it. Other than being able to say, I've got a TV like, you know, Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> so there you go. There's a link to that and I've got a link to a video of it. Um, digital trends, uh, as you can see, foldables and rollables seem to be a big thing at CES this year. Um, I've got a link here, digital trends, the best foldables and rollables of CES 2021, in which both of the ones we've mentioned turn up again, um, and masks, sanitizers, and social distancing ga uh, gadgets, the COVID tech which dominated CES, um, and uh, there's some quite, you know, sensible ones in there and some very bizarre ones. Um, a company who uh, John Nemo had a, a mask from in his hardware store last week, uh, Air pop um have a smart uh covid mask at ces it's 150 dollars but it um it, you know it measures the filters it tells you how polluted the air is how much uh filter time is left in the filter when you should change the filter and a whole load of other things uh quite interesting um and there we go so yeah a lot of weird stuff um and lastly from ces um i've got a link from cnet which is uh, accessibility devices reflect a growing focus on inclusive tech, um, which is worth a read. Uh, there's a particularly clever one in there, which is a, a keyboard with a partial Braille out uh, display so that you can have a QWERTY keyboard. And so, you know, if you can read Braille um, in in um, association with your screen reader and whatnot, there's a panel at the bottom of the, below the space bar, which can output Braille so that you can read the Braille. Um, and some other, some other interesting pieces there, which is always good. We like to see inclusive tech, don't we, Jasper? You know, to help. Yeah, those I love who... the the actually the 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 Braille QWERTY keyboard looks pretty cool. Yeah, like neat, neat little hardware. Yeah, it is cool. very yeah. very neat. It's like one of those um, ultra compact keyboards. Looks about something like that. Yeah, 
I mean, it looks. I assume the idea is that it's pocketable because it doesn't look much bigger than a than a you no. know a, a full size um you know like iPhone Max Pro Plus or whatever it is um, something like that. I yeah, know it looks like a very modernist, non clunky piece of piece of gear. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, doesn't it? It look it looks basically like a keyboard that it's like a smartphone. To be honest. Yeah. Um, something like that. And yeah. I assume that you know the idea is that, because I think that that one in particular connects to about a whole bunch. Of, you can have you can pair it to a whole bunch of devices. Um, Apparently, well, it's Bluetooth, yeah. So yeah. it should be, yeah. Uh, you can connect up to five different gadgets at once via Bluetooth and includes a USB connection. Works with the Mac, the PC, and iOS. Um, Android and Chromebook support is coming soon. Uh, it's not cheap. It's two and a half grand. Um, no, it's not cheap indeed. Whew. But then inclusive tech often is not uh, cheap. Um, no, no. They're probably but, not doing that many. Yeah. No, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm sure if it makes your life a hell of a lot better because you can read Braille and carry your keyboard in your pocket, then it's probably Absolutely. money well spent. Um, Agreed. And, you know, just because it starts out at two and a half grand doesn't mean it will continue to be two and a half grand. There we are. Let's hope not. Let's hope That'd not. That'd be great. That would be good. Um, And there we are. I've got a few uh, quick security and privacy stories. Um, I found this the other day, and I found this courtesy of the New York Times, of all places. Um, Because the New York Times, by the way, has the most horrible... um like cookie opt out thing ever where every single tracker and cookie that they have you have to individually opt out of um by and, and they, get... they track a lot yes they do there track was a, a huge <laughs> amount of things and you have to track you have to opt out of every single one individually and by you click it and it takes you to um the individual page for whatever it is anyway the first one i clicked was google analytics and it took me to um a page where you can get an Google Analytics opt-out browser extension um, from Google, and it is available for Microsoft Internet Explorer 11, Google Chrome, Mozilla Firefox, Apple Safari, and Opera. And that appears to be cross-platform. So you uh, follow the link, you download the, um, the extension and install it, and thereever after, Google Analytics is told to not have anything to do with you. There you go. So if you don't want to be tracked by Google Analytics, feel free to follow the link in the show notes and uh, cut Google Analytics out of your life. There you go. That's Um, pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's from Google. I assume they've been, it's not something they seem to be making a lot of noise about, but uh, I suppose you could say. Definitely not. Of course they would not, but somebody somewhere, I guess, (laughs) has compelled them to do such a thing. So there you go. Um, You can get that extension uh, from Google. Sun from uh, Simple Login, uh, you know, who's been on the show. Um, I made a suggestion to him that uh, it would be nice if we could have a menu bar app for Simple Login. Um, He has a browser extension, which is, you know, lovely. But um, he's added it to the um, roadmap for Simple Login. And um, he has created a link, which is in the show notes. And uh, feel free to go and upvote it on uh, Trello so that uh, Sun can see that it's uh, something worth doing. Although he's quite keen because he said he'd use it himself. So, uh, but there you go. Follow the link and upvote him. Um, if you're not using Simple Login, why not? Why not? It's free. Go sign up. There we are. Um, I, do you know anything about Simple Login, Jasper? No, 
no, no, well, um, simple login is a service we, we uh, from uh, Sun. Simple login dot uh, io. Uh, it's email aliasing and um, the the general concept behind it is, you know, if you want to go and sign up to some, or you go to a website and they want you to sign up for an account, you can just create an alias on the fly um, and oh, give nice. them that, and you're, yep. you know, it's tied to your real email address, so you could you can sign up at every every um, website you like with a different alias, and they all come to you, but you, nobody gets your real email, and right. you can use That's that. To gen- you can use that to generate emails, and you can use it to generate logins for you know web services yeah. and so on, and it's yeah. and it's free. There is a paid uh, version with a few extra bonuses, but it's free. Uh, there we are. Yep. It's a brilliant. It's a very brilliant similar. Service. It's very similar to uh, how Apple uh, login works these days. Yes, it is. It's yeah. the, it's a similar idea. Um, which you know, Sun said that's a, a, you know that's great, but he wanted to make it uh, easier and more available for anybody everywhere, regardless of whether totally you use Apple it. or not. So it's a, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and he's working towards. Um, he's working towards trying to actually get people to offer it as well as you know. Login with Facebook, login with Twitter, login with Apple, um, and login with Simple Login. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's got an uphill struggle there, but you know, good, good for him. Good for him. Um, what else got? Um, encrypted messaging app Signal sees a surge in popularity after WhatsApp privacy policy update. Um, no real surprise there, I have to admit. Although the funny, one of the funniest things about that is, um, it doesn't apply in Europe, although it might apply to the UK soonish because facebook will be able to argue that britain is no longer part of the eu so now they have to comply with our american rules but that's our own fault and shot ourselves in the foot that's nothing to do with uh you know um but it doesn't apply in europe because the european rules uh prevent that and um apparently the amount of change from the previous privacy policy is almost nothing however um whatsapp uh you know whatsapp new privacy policy is exactly why no one trusts facebook from inc um Overall, it appears that simply Facebook's bungled messaging uh, generated this fake story that uh, WhatsApp would be able to read every single message that you send and people are uh, fleeing from WhatsApp to uh, more secure um, options uh, all over the place, apparently. Although what that actually looks like in real numbers, I've no idea. Um, Uh, What I read was that it's something like tens of millions of people which, which, uh, granted, is a lot of people, uh, yeah. but in the world of Facebook and Google, that's like a rounding yeah. error still. So, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, when when you've got, you know, whatever it is, two billion daily users or something, a, a, a few tens of millions is pocket change, isn't it? But if you know, if um, by messing up their own messaging, um, they've made a few people more aware of how much Facebook and uh, it's all fine. Are it's all, all digging, good. Also, digging like, into your privacy, you know, can't hurt. I mean, people using Signal and Telegram more, that's a good thing. There's nothing yeah. bad there. No, um, although Telegram is not really as secure as you might think because uh, it's I mean, not actually no, end-to-end n- encrypted by default. But then again, they are not spying on you half as much as Facebook are. So, yeah. I mean, all of these apps, what do we really know? I mean, technically, yeah. we have no idea. There we could be no something idea. at the end of it that we don't want to know anyway. <laughs> yeah, that is totally true. Totally true. Um, so there you go. Yeah, Signal. But if you are thinking of leaving, you know, don't forget, take a look at Signal or Wire 
or you know yep. there's millions there's millions of them out there but read the privacy policy people um okay uh john hopkins security researchers were shocked at android and ios vulnerabilities apparently um actually in the report what they say is ios contains an awful lot of security features many of which are not used by default um they're less critical of ios than they are of android um and of course, some of the parts of iOS that are not encrypted, even though they could be, um, then uh, it's because Apple have chosen to. Like, for example, your, you know, your iCloud backups are not totally, you know, end to end encrypted. But Apple have said we've done that so that we can actually get people out of the, you know, out of the mire when they've managed to lock themselves out and forgotten their own password. Um, yeah, that's the that downside before. of. That's the full downside of full end-to-end decrypted or all of those decentralized, you know, cryptocurrencies and God knows what. It's like, once you lose access, it's gone. that's it. Yep. You're gone. It's no gone. longer yours. It doesn't exist. And there's like, you know, lots of lost backups because of that. And there's lots of cryptocurrencies lost because of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been so, a sto- there was a story. It's been running all week, isn't it? You know, the amount in the wallet is sort of varies depending on who you ask, but... It's somewhere in the yeah. region of $200 million or $250 million <laughs> or something. And the guy's got like two tries left to remember his password. You know, it's like, it's the worst. That is the worst. <laughs> and there's another one as well. Uh, I think it's here in the UK. There's a guy who lost his electronic wallet and it went into, and it's gone in the, uh, you know, the corporate, uh, you know, landfill. And he's offering the local council 50 million pounds to allow him to tr- <laughs> dig through to dig it up. in the hope of finding his wallet because it's got 200 million, you know, in Bitcoin or something on it. But uh, yep. yeah, the guy who's forgotten his wallet, uh, yeah, he's got. I think he's got two tries left, and if 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 that's gone, then yeah. So the two hundred and fifty million dollars in Bitcoin goes poof because it just sad uh, story. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> be careful, people. There we are, as you say, and this is why Apple have chosen not to end to end encrypt every single piece of information because they realised, yeah. you know, they get calls all the time. I'm sure I've forgotten my password and I've been locked out. And w- what do I do? You know, right? Well, we can once we can verify who you are, we can actually help you. You know, yeah. otherwise it's no, we can't help you. It's gone, done. That there would be are. bad. That yeah. would be very bad indeed. Um, right, we'll wrap it up then. Uh, worth a chirp. Donnie sent me one here. Fonts, install new fonts for iOS. Um, link to their website and the App Store. If you're, uh, you know, if you're a, particularly an iPad user and do, you know, use creative apps, it's quite nice to be able to access to more than the basic fonts. Um, and uh, Dougie, our security expert, sent us this one saying, I find this absolutely hilarious. Um, <laughs> it's the it's best. Buffer, buffery.ng, which is create lag and buffering on video chats such as Zoom, Skype, and Microsoft Teams. Um, link there to buffering. Um, it, it's hilarious. As it says, it, it creates, uh, you know, lag, stutter, and uh, audio interference <laughs> on the fly. <laughs> yeah, in a boring Zoom meeting, fake... <laughs> Get yourself. This is apparently, yeah. This is apparently the app amongst teenagers right. to uh, get out of classes. Yank chain, yeah. yeah, yank the chain of their their, their teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, my my internet uh, 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 connection is very bad. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, look, uh, uh, no, it's all flickering. Uh, no, sorry, I'm losing you. Yeah, there's a bit Perfect. of the old bit of the old. I think I'm coming into a portal. 
Yep, it's oh, the modern tremolo. Perfect. Yeah, Love indeed. it. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. Had to happen. I'm happy you did. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. And the, just a snippet for this week is the smart dot radiation protection phone stickers have no effect, according to the BBC News, who had them investigated. Not a big surprise. Um, they're supposed to work by using a thing called scalar energy, which scientists cannot detect, apparently. I think that's called undetectable <laughs> magical powers, isn't it? Yeah. That's perfect. That is perfect. Um, I guess people will buy anything. People will buy anything. Yeah. Um, And uh, (laughs) I could. I would just point out that this is these. uh, You know, these smart dot radiation protection stickers are brought to you by the same loons who will sell you a Faraday cage for your router. That makes total sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, given the (laughs) Faraday (laughs) cage for your computer is like the best idea ever. It's so good. Yeah. Exactly. Why is my router <laughs> not working? Because you put it in a Faraday cage. Yes, like... And apparently, according <laughs> when when we when we uh, reported on that um, a few weeks ago, uh, Jasper, it turned out that these Faraday cages they're selling you are not even on the fact that they're supposed to be Faraday cages. And why would you want to put your router in one? Some of them don't even work properly at that, and so you can still use your router even <laughs> though it's in a so-called Faraday cage. So, I mean, it's. Cr- I mean, Faraday cages, you know, technically are a security measure. And so in that sense, it's like a great security measure. If you <laughs> want to make sure your out doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that is the end of the story. So thank you for coming on, Jasper. It's been great. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, this is where we normally get you to do a shout out for where, you know, people can find you and your products and, uh, you know, your social media and all the rest. So Sure. Uh, c- come have a visit at darkroom.co. Uh, that's our website, and that's where you'll find everything out about Darkroom. Um, you'll also be easily be able to click through to our social media accounts, et cetera, et cetera. So go go ahead and uh, visit darkroom.co. Lovely. Okay. Well, um, I can be found on the Twitters as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. All of our stuff's over at uh, EssentialApple.com. The show tweets as EssentialApple. And uh, thank you to uh, Jasper for coming on. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody who supports the show in all the usual manners. And uh, with that, I'll leave you until next week. So from me and Jasper, goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcasts, and take a listen. I thought this is bullshit.
I just wanted to play a one-on-one skirmish game against the computer. Maybe a half hour tops. Yeah. And it took me over three hours before I could finally sit down and play. I just wish they'd leave the single player alone. We just want to play a single player game. It really ticked me off. You shouldn't have played the game after that. God damn it. Stop that crap. Knock it off. And the controls suck. Why don't you fix that for us, please? Since I spent seven bucks on the stupid thing, I'd like to be able to play it. Knock it off. Knock it off. Get out of our way and let us play the freaking game. It's bullshit. Kiss my ass. Tim, you're forgetting your place in the universe. You are not a player of the game. You are merely just a potential revenue stream on somebody's spreadsheet. <laughs> you're right there. Tech fan podcast. Calm, rational, and family friendly. <laughs> Look forward to you joining us again another time. Until then, goodbye.